0: Rebecca Kent, host of JL's Perspectives podcast. We're asking today, what is the purpose of the office and what comes next? How will our workplaces look in the time after COVID-19? Because here's what we know about ourselves so far. The flexibility to choose where we'd like to work on any given day. We'll take more of that, please. But don't take away all our office time because we value interactions with our colleagues. That commute though, yeah, not missing that so much. So where does that leave business leaders who are trying to grasp what all of this means for their real estate strategy? Let's start with some advice from Michael Green, JLL's Head of Tenant Representation in Australia.
1: My grandmother would always say, have a cup of tea and a lie down and think it through.
0: And cheers to that so this episode we're doing things differently we'll hear more from michael green from parts of a presentation he made for a jll webinar titled reimagine the future of our workplaces you can watch the full webinar on jll.com.au under the coronavirus resources section we'll also hear from claudette leeming head of property strategy and performance at australia post which is currently in the market for a new headquarters in melbourne
2: I think in many regards, we are exceptionally fortunate putting aside all the other negative impacts of COVID. We're very, very fortunate to have COVID-19 occurring while we're in the midst of this review, because as a business, it's giving us more confidence to have some pretty challenging conversations about how we might work in the future. Also, it is absolutely double down how very important flexibility
0: is. That's Claudette there, but for now, the pandemic has given business and real estate leaders an opportunity to reevaluate the office. Here's Michael Green.
1: The role of the office was clearly expanding to be a cultural hub, a collaboration accelerator and a key for talent attraction and retention. And that's what we've been doing for many years with our clients, um, you know, creating those sort of workplaces. So for many employees, the office became a social hub, a productivity-boosting space with the ability to work in other spaces. So it was also a flexibility enhancer. So what are employees saying at the moment about what they're um, dealing with? And we did a survey of 3,000 employees across the globe, and these are the Australian uh, results. And two-thirds have moved to work from home, and a lot have felt that they're more productive in this first phase. And what we've missed in the office was the human interaction and face-to-face work with our colleagues, which backs up the trend towards the office as a place of collaboration and innovation. Of course, the danger is that long-term work from home will cause diminishing returns um, on integration um, and as we lose that idea of, you know, generating team ideas as a team in the workplace. But what we didn't miss was the daily commute, And what we appreciated was greater work flexibility and work-life balance. So a more distributed and liquid workforce.
0: The pandemic has really brought home the idea that work can happen anywhere. And because of this, considerations about how office space should be used, depending on where that office space is and who's using it, will be more complex. The economic impact of COVID-19 means the cost of property and wages will factor more heavily than before. Many organisations will be downsizing their real estate footprint by 20-50%, to according to Michael Green. In a survey conducted by PwC, 26% of company chief financial officers say they'll be cutting back on real estate. Half of them said they'd make remote working permanent for roles that would allow it. Global investment bank Morgan Stanley thinks it will need less real estate, And multinationals UBS and Barclays say they're having a rethink about the purpose of their centralised headquarters. But it's not all a one-way street. Several major leasing deals are backing a return to life in big cities. Legal firm Baker McKenzie has, over the COVID-19 period, committed to 13,000 square metres of new office space in central London, which it will occupy from 2023. The firm's London managing partner, Alex Chadwick, has said that now it feels more important than ever to provide the space for lawyers to collaborate, embrace new technologies and to meet and interact with clients. And Facebook, which is allowing staff to work from home until July 2021, if they choose, has committed to 67,000 square meters of new offices in New York. So from one company to the next, workplace strategies will differ, that's for sure but where they'll align, strategists say, is on the health and sustainability of workplaces and there'll be less focus on desks and more on experience. Then how does it all look logistically?
1: We're thinking that there are three possible answers here and I'm thinking a hybrid solution, but there was a tweet from Twitter and the woman said, promoting choice for our employees to choose how they want to work That includes remote work or offices or a combination of the two. Everyone is different. No one-size-solution fits all. So I clearly think that there was a cup of tea and a lie down before that statement was made. Very sensible. But what does that actually look like in the physical environment? And the first one, which is the conservative, is where many of us probably already are. You know, if everyone turned up, they'd find a place to work. It acknowledges that the majority of our work is concentrated work, hence the number of desks. with with collaboration, so all the meeting rooms in the middle. We then moved to a moderate approach, and this approach is saying that some concentrated work will be done in the office, some concentrated work will be done at home, but there certainly will be uh, more collaboration in the workplace, hence, you know, greater spaces to do that. The third is the most radical and progressive approach, and that's where we're saying if you're going to do concentrated work, you will predominantly do that at home. And the office will be a place where you come to meet your colleagues, interact, and predominantly collaborate, hence why so few deaths and so many different types of space to meet. So if we think of that from a project perspective, if I was working on a project, the team would come together, we'd brainstorm the ideas, we'd come up with the purpose and the next steps. That'll all be detailed. We would then go home and do our work before coming back to the office and sharing our findings with our, our colleagues. Um, The other methodology or or thing that people are talking about is the hub-and-spoke model. And there's been uh, some irony that in Melbourne we were actually re-centralising in many cases with people moving back to the CBD, whereas in Sydney there was already a trend towards some decentralisation. And the benefits of this are clearly a shorter commute, um, less use of public transport, and it provides a safe and compliant workplace close to employees' Homes. Uh, it's generally more cost-effective space in the suburbs, and you know it works well in large cities with multiple commercial hubs. And I certainly see a role for co-workers in this kind of environment where they could provide these across cities and, and organisations could take space in them for their employees who live in that in that area. I think the questions that still sit over this type of workplace is teamwork and collaboration all very well to go into an office, but if I think of Sydney, if I've got some members up on the northern beaches, some out in North Ryde, some out near Parramattaway Way, and some in the Shire, if I go into, you know, co-working or, or hubs near my home, I'm still not going to actually meet with my team. The only way that will happen is probably if we make the trek into a centralised location like the CBD from time to time.
0: So let's put that into some real-world context. Here's Claudette Leeming of Australia Post, who also considers how these workplace scenarios affect workers of different generations, because today the workplace is a lot more complicated. Five generations are working side by side.
2: So typically before COVID, um, our workplaces were occupied at about over 80% um, of their capacity. So in lay terms, you could say that for the majority of the workplace, they were still um, coming into the office five days a week or, or thereabouts. So um, uh, I think Michael uh, called that... Uh, what was that called? Um, conservative, I think, roughly, uh, in his model. So we were conservative, um, so probably not surprising. So um, in terms of where we're at now, we are in the market to assess all our options for our um, Melbourne accommodation in 2024, um, so, uh, it, which is, at the time, um, Uh, is when our our current term at Bourke Street expires. Um, And and I think in many regards, we are exceptionally fortunate, um, putting aside all the other negative impacts of COVID. We're very, very fortunate to have COVID-19 occurring while we're in the midst of this review. Um, Because as a business, it's giving us more confidence um, to have some pretty challenging conversations about how we might work in the future, uh, and also, it is absolutely double down how very important flexibility is uh, in, our, um, in driving flexibility into our accommodation, um, given it's still a very long-term significant uh, commitment we'll be making. Um, so, I think with the, with the global sort of working from home experiment, as it might be referred to, um, it's been um, busting some myths for sure around who can or can't work productively from home. Um, but also it's really, um, to Michael's point, absolutely sharpening what the focus um, of what, what is the core purpose of the workplace um, and why will people want to return um, when, this, when this period ends. Um, and from my perspective, that um, role of the, the workplace, again, echoes what, um, what Michael has spoken about. It's about connection to our business purpose, our values and our brand. It's it's where we come to connect to something bigger than ourselves. Uh, It is about collaboration. And I will say, look, there are some people who are really amazing at virtual digital collaboration, and it's very um, native to them, um, but certainly not to all of us. And I think when we talk about collaboration, we're talking about spontaneous collaboration, incidental, unplanned stuff, not stuff that you're booking a Zoom meeting for or setting up a Teams chat or what have you. Uh, And also it's much more rapid when it's in the workplace because it comes through hearing something and and jumping on it. Um, The workplace will also be uh, for learning and development. Um, And again, you can do learning online, but you can't do tacit learning online or ad hoc learning by observation. So the things that you learn by being surrounded by people with more experience than yourself. Um, I think also um, coming together physically um, is better for complex problem solving and innovation. And to Michael's point again, it's about absolutely about social connection and support. Um,
0: And and I think everyone is really, really missing that um, and it is very important. So most companies will be committed to some sort of hybrid workplace model between working from home or remotely and in the office. But this doesn't come without its challenges. Without careful management of people and real estate, companies risk no one coming into the office on a particular day or not the right people for everyone to have the best possible experience, including the opportunity to soak up the company's culture. Those hurdles can be overcome, says Michael.
1: The first uh, office plan is how do we actually know how many people we can safely have in our work environment? You know, so we set up systems which say how many people and in what figures can they be in any one one time. The second one for the employees, which is the app, allows them to book in online. Everyone can't turn up at the same time. There wouldn't just be any place for them to go. So we need to start planning for things like stopping all managers wanting to have all team meetings on a Monday morning or everyone deciding that their team will work from home on a Friday. That just won't work in that kind of environment. It also allows employees to book in to know where they're going to sit, allows teams to decide what space they're going to use and where they're going to work. Um, The third element is is safety. I mean, when I get in there, how do I know that the workplace or the work point that I'm going to use has been cleaned and sanitised? Now, we can always leave that to the employees, but there are some rather like telling your teenage children to pick up wet towel. doesn't matter how many times you say it, they're just not going to do it. So there needs to be a system whereby when I arrive, I know because the system tells me that that desk or that workplace or that space has been cleaned. And when I leave, I press the button, the FM team come in and clean it, and then they let the system know that that space is now ready for someone else to use it to make sure that we get the most out of our our investment in this space, and that it's safe for our employees. And finally, we need to to track the space and monitor the use. How many people do we have in? Are they actually meeting the guidelines? Are we breaching the guidelines? Um, What spaces are popular and when? And how do we manage demand to ensure the maximum productivity out of our space?
0: For many organisations, their status, their survival and their culture has been inextricably linked to their big city office buildings and the pandemic has catapulted them into this new phase. It might be difficult to fully understand how new ways of working will play out over time but the advantage of building flexibility into any new model is that it can be adapted around new learnings.
2: In terms of what the thing will look like and what will be in that workplace, I think there's plenty of time for us to, to land what that might be, um, because ultimately, I think as a business, you make a practical allocation of space, and then that space has to be carved up in a way that's very flexible and adaptable over time and, uh, and managed so that it's optimally used. So I think... It's a very challenging and stressful time in many regards, but also it's an incredible opportunity to totally rethink the workplace in a very, very positive way. So it's pretty exciting.
0: Thanks for listening. I'm Rebecca Kent, host of JL's Perspectives podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd be great if you could leave us a quick review on whatever podcast listening app you're using. I highly recommend watching the JLL webinar, Reimagine the Future of Our Workplaces. Find it under the Coronavirus Resources section on our website. And while you're there, pop over to our Perspectives podcast page to learn more about Michael Green and Claudette Leeming and get in touch with them there too.